Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Justin Silverio. He is the founder and head of Open Letter Marketing and of Envelo, which is the new Envelo app. It's a CRM. It does, I shouldn't say just a CRM, it's a CRM and so much more. Uh, a central place for you to do your marketing, your list building, your nurturing campaigns. It's education, it's it's implementation, it's all that fun stuff in there. So he is a real estate investor. He's the son of a contractor. He's uh, got an interesting perspective on stuff starting out in the Boston market. And I like that he has gone through, found the struggles of real estate investors, and then put systems, processes, and tools in place to help make his life easier. And then as it offered to the public, to real estate investors, just like you and I. So he's here to talk all those things. Super nice guy, um, did a great job and he's got a great product. So I'm always looking for things that can help me do things faster, safer, smarter, and more efficient. And that has been what his specialty is with the things that he's put together with open letter marketing with envelopes. So definitely check the show notes for all the ways to connect with Justin. Envelope has a free uh, free membership. Obviously, there's tiers on it, but you can start out with, with it for free. Uh, there's tutorials and stuff on it. There's a lot of cool things on there. In the show notes, you'll find all the ways to connect with Open Letter Marketing, with Envelope, and even just with Justin directly through social media, through websites, all that different stuff on there. So highly suggest you che check it out. Uh, Open Letter Marketing is a great way. If you're getting new into real estate and you're looking into off-market stuff, which some people only know how to do things through a real estate agent, if this is where you're looking at of like, hey, how do I start to get deals off-market? I'm not really getting anything through the MLS and Realtors. This is where you would start. You would start by getting some lists from a place like that, having it maybe pull, maybe reaching out to them to do some direct mail campaigns, and then starting to nurture your business through your CRM, which kind of comes into the next step. But we touch on a lot of different things from the mindset, mistakes you make early in your career. I think it's interesting being a guy that grew up in this business with his uh, dad being a contractor and then did his first deals as a partner with his dad, who was a contractor, you mostly hear the beginner mistakes or contracting mistakes. So it's interesting to hear what his first mistakes were and what his experience is with construction. Um, and then we talk about some of the best lists to pull. He gives some really cool stuff about halfway and maybe a little towards the end. So make sure you listen for some of the newer hot lists that he kind of invented and discovered, which I hadn't even heard of. I'm definitely going to start marketing to right now. So we talk about what is list pulling, where's the best place to pull them, what are the best ones to pull, what's the point of following up, how do you do nurturing those campaigns, and so much more. So definitely check him out. And while you're on the show notes, definitely go to nicknicknick.com slash links. Lately, the www hasn't been working. So just nicknicknick.com slash links or Google it. And that will give you all the ways to connect with the A-Game podcast on every platform, whether you listen, whether you watch on YouTube, the way we keep getting amazing guests like Justin coming on and getting some great information for free for you guys is by you guys, please just subscribing to the podcast. So go on wherever you listen to them, hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button. Um, if you have time and you like what we're doing, please leave a five-star review. It goes a long way for the algorithm so people keep seeing it. And again, the biggest thing I can ask is just please, when you're on social media, follow me on nicknicknick.com slash links. You'll see all the ways to connect with me on every platform. And when I post clips from this episode with Justin, like it, 
share it, tag him in it, give him a little fist bump, a little way, okay, a little smiley face. It takes two seconds to like or share it. And it goes a really, really long way for us and for the guests. So they know that you're coming on and watching their stuff and enjoying the stuff that they're putting out. So they will continue to come on and we can kind of keep this party going. So if I'm not popping up on your algorithm or your feed, just search for me on any of those platforms, nickandnick.com slash links, and you'll see all the ways to connect on social media, like something, and I should be popping up back in your stuff again. Who knows? Also, I want to do real estate together. If you guys are interested in doing some deals together where you buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or just find a way for us to partner on some level, DM me the word real estate on any of my social platforms, and then I will know to look out for it because you want to do some deals together. Or just text me the word real estate, 516-540-5733, 516-540-5733. That's one of the best ways to get me to connect. So definitely shout out on that. And while you guys are there, definitely check out nicknick.com slash biggerpockets. It's a direct way to get a free list to bring more value to your buyers and your, uh, sorry, to bring more value to your buyers as a real estate agent, real estate broker, real estate wholesaler, and we can get that going as well. So I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate Justin Severio coming on. I've been trying to get him on for a while. Look forward to meeting him in person. I thought he did a fantastic job. Great guy, great product. Check him out. A-Game Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Have a fantastic day. All right, my guest today is the son of a contractor and an entrepreneur, investor, and educator fighting out of Boston, and he's been diving into real estate deals since 2011 with his company, JS2 Homes, who has done wholesaling, retail, uh, rental properties, developments, all kinds of different things we're going to dive into. His desire to find a way to help investors find a more effective direct-to-seller marketing approach has resulted in him founding such companies as Envelop and Open Letter Marketing. He has an educational and support system, which can have tools to help you sustain and grow your REI business as an entrepreneur and investor from everything from residential to rehab to multifamily condo conversions. This gentleman has been a staple on the podcast world and the software companies for a very long time. And we're going to talk about the CRM he's created and the stuff that he's doing today with direct-to-seller marketing, which I feel is absolutely the best way to get deals today off-market. He's a real estate investor who actually used the stuff that he used in his background to make him money, to make him financially free, to help you guys. So I love the refreshing background from coming from somebody who actually does this every day, not a computer programmer type. So I have been stalking you for months to come on the podcast to share a little <laughs> bit about what you've been doing and what you've been working on. You've been a true gentleman for working with me on my flexibility. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast. Long overdue. Thank you for being here, Justin Severio. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. I'm excited to get started. Yeah, so for people who might have been living under a rock and they're not 100% familiar with you, I can give a little bit about who you are and where you came from. Yeah. Um, so my my background is um, I was an accountant in some private equity venture capital shop. Um, and then, you know, in 2010, I started to see, you know, HGTV and they were showing uh, flipping homes and all that stuff. And I it really interested me because, you know, my father was a contractor, my uncles owned their own businesses. So the entrepreneurship was always in my kind of roots. And I always knew I wanted to do something on my own, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to be a contractor and deal with, you know, homeowners and stuff like that and work for them. So flipping, I was like, wow, this is great because it takes my understanding of numbers and accounting and also combines from a contractor standpoint. Um, but at the time I didn't know any construction. So I was like, hey dad, let's team up. Let's join, uh, create a partnership and, and flip some houses. And we started off going that way. And five years later, from 2011, we bought our first property to 2016. Uh, we were partners. And then he's like, all right, I don't think you really need me anymore. Kind of go on your own. And that's when I left my full-time job, went to investing, but also opened up um, another company, Open Letter Marketing. 
And um, you know, through through my experience uh, as an investor, I saw that there are different voids in the market that we have as an industry. And one of them was really understanding and getting in front of sellers in a really effective way. So through my journey, I got really good with going direct to seller through direct mail. And that's when I started open letter marketing because I was like, no other product, uh, there's no other, there's no other vendor in the industry that really does direct mail in a very strategic and um, you know, a way that can get sellers to call call you back. Um, so I launched that product or that company in 2016, and it's just been growing since. And then uh, you know, along that journey, talk to, you know, we deal with thousands of investors throughout the country. So really figuring out again my the next void in the market and hearing the struggles that these other investors had, I said, huh, uh, software is another uh, place that there is just a big void and having kind of an all-in-one software platform where people can track really everything under their kind of business and making sure that they're, they're understanding their KPIs, the metrics, all of that. So we started to go out and create a software product that would really go out to um, to that that industry. Um, so that's kind of been my journey. I absolutely love this industry. Um, I love finding these nuances and pieces to give people the leverage to be more successful. That's ultimately um, why I want to start, why I wanted to start these businesses to really help people in a way that, you know, I'm not just looking to make money for my business. My success is driven through our customer success. And we truly want to be that voice and provide knowledge and education to our customers to make sure that they um, either get started or, you know, are doing more deals. So that's kind of, that's what fuels me every day. That's awesome. And I love that. And you, uh, you touched on a lot of different things that, that we can dissect. Uh, definitely want to go into the pillars of kind of what you're doing and what you're hitting and putting everything in one spot. But I think that there's three really interesting points of content there, which one of them being, I get the question all the time when people are like, well, you know, if the deal was that good, why is the realtor finding the deal? Why aren't they doing it themselves? Hey, if the contractor's that good, why isn't he, you know, and you, what if yourself out of all these people, and it's interesting to look back and go, well, yeah, like the, literally the realtors finding my deal, running my numbers and telling me it's a good deal. Like the appraiser knows how to look at it. The contractor, everybody knows how to do that stuff better than me. Right. So why are they all working for me for a fraction of the price? Why wouldn't they go and just do what we're doing? And most never make that leap for whatever it is. But you did. And I think that that's a very interesting thing to dissect on the mental side of how many people grow up watching their dad fix houses and they get into construction. They don't go, I don't want to be the guy fixing the house. I want to be the guy that my dad's fixing the house for. So yeah. what was some of the things that that played out in your head that made you go, I want to be on that side of the fence? And what was that decision like when you were talking to your dad about it? Yeah. Um, you know, when I was looking at, I, I like construction from the standpoint that it, it, to me, it was an art form. I looked at construction as being kind of an artist where you're taking raw material and turning it into a place where people can live. That was just fascinating to me. But I didn't want to deal with kind of the headaches of like homeowners and dealing, working for someone. Um, and I also liked, I I like when things are on my shoulders. It It's up to me on making things successful or not. I don't like relying on other people. So I think from a, you know, the, the start, you know, that entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit was always um, with me where I didn't want to other people to tell me how to do what I needed to get done. I wanted to be kind of at that forefront. Um, so that's kind of, that was like the switch or gear um, 
for, for me. And then being able to team up with my father, again, anything that I do, it's, it's kind of conservative. You might say, well, being an entrepreneur is not conservative, but I got into it on a conservative approach because I knew the numbers really well. I studied it. I mean, I spent probably six months of analysis before I even did my first deal because I wanted to make sure that if I did my first deal, that everything uh, kind of would, would pan out. And then where my father had the construction knowledge, that was the other really big piece. A lot of people, you know, don't know construction and that's like a challenge for them, but I was able to rely on my father heavily. If I didn't have my father and I had to do it over, I'd probably rely on maybe a contractor friend or team up with another investor that had the experience to reduce my risk and exposure into that first deal. And then once I started to do that first deal, it was like, okay, I don't care if I make any money, I'm learning. I'm here as an educator. Like, teach me on what I'm doing wrong, and I want to make the mistakes now so that I can learn. And, um, you know, since that first deal, it's always been like a, a, um, a journey of gaining more knowledge and making more mistakes. And, you know, those mistakes where people are afraid of, you tend to learn that those are actually the best learning experiences to help you um, kind of push through those things that other people are roadblocked because they're like, I don't even want to start because I'm afraid of the mistake that I'm going to have. Um, but if you, once you start doing those, um, you know, pushing yourself to do those things and make those mistakes and, you know, failing, failing is actually a good thing. It helps you elevate yourself. Um, so that's kind of, that was kind of like the road and journey. And also, you know, I had a really good support system. Um, I'm really lucky to have amazing parents, amazing wife that's really understanding and supported everything that I did. Um, so that was also really helpful from the, the get-go. I think that that's a huge overlooked part of this business where I, I tell people I didn't come from money at all, but it came from a family that was very supportive. And if I could have somebody start out, I would rather them start out with no money and a supportive spouse, kid, oh. whatever it might be, versus a bunch of money and people <clears throat> who don't believe in you don't support you because that, you know, it's it just never gets it off the ground. But it, yeah, it's it's so true. I mean, without a supportive wife or spouse, there's no way that I'd be here now. It's just, it would be an absolute challenge. Um, so yeah. how was that conversation when you told that you were going to go into real estate full-time and quit your job? <laughs> Um, I mean, she's, my wife's amazing. She's amazing. She's like always, you know, whatever she knows that I'm someone that thinks through things pretty severely and like maps everything out. So I do my due diligence. I do my homework. It wasn't something that I just jump into. Like there's a lot of knowledge behind and a, and a roadmap and a path. And, you know, having that conversation, it was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And, um, I don't want to just do it to do it. But the goal for us is to be able to have freedom to be with family. And my number one thing is I, you know, I do all this. I love what I do, but I also love it because it gives me the opportunity to be with my family. And that was the goal from day one. And my um, idea of success is my ability to spend time with my family. It's not, you know, making money, all that stuff. That's, you know, that's great. That's one part of success. But the bigger part for me is to be able to enjoy my kids, my wife to be there when I want to. Um, and um, yeah, to really spend that time. So, you know, just uh, showing her kind of that road path. She's like, I'm on board, let's do it. And from day one, like when I was starting to write letters to like sellers to find deals, she was right there with me writing letters with me. So, um, so awesome. it, was a, it was a really cool journey. And um, it was a long journey, but, um, but absolutely great. 
That's really cool, dude. I love hearing that kind of stuff. And it's, I think the track record, like anything else is important when you have, sometimes people are like, oh, my wife will let me do this. It's like, yeah, but how many things have you gone to her and done and never finished with or just not right. thought about? So yeah. I think that you earn that trust through that track record is a, a really, really big deal for how you, how you do the past is how you'll do the future, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, man. You know, I, I think another quick question before we go into the next pillar of that is, I hear a lot of the beginner mistakes of, of the bulk of what I hear when people first start out is that I did my first few deals. And then it's, it's generally contractor issues for, mm -hmm. you know, there's other stuff, but a lot of that is because your first bunch of deals were with your dad, I'm assuming you didn't, or maybe you did have a lot of those same initial points of contention. What were a lot of your early beginner mistakes and lessons when you started out? Yeah, I've had plenty of mistakes with contractors. So even <laughs> though, so even though like my father was, um, you know, working as kind of the general contractor, we t typically didn't use his guys. His guys were too expensive. And I told him that, <laughs> like, we can't use your guys. So we had to use other contractors. And, you know, my father had, you know, the ability to understand what contractors had to say, if they were good or not from that standpoint. So with him being the GC, um, things went a little bit smoother, but there's always a challenge between like, from my side, I'm looking at, okay, well, we're not remodeling this house. It's an entry-level house. We don't re want to remodel it and make it absolutely amazing, like a luxury home. We have to make sure that we are spending our money wisely. And that's something that I think there was, you know, a difference in uh, what my father saw compared to me. So there was always a lot of conversation back and forth. And like where we're spending our money because he's typically in the luxury space. And I'm like, these aren't luxury houses. So we have to like dial it back. We have to find different ways. So that was a learning experience. But then I started to manage the general contractors because I wanted to get that exposure. And even through there, I mean, you know, we had a contractor that, um, so documentation and contracts is really important and making sure that they, you get their insurance paperwork, making sure you call the insurance company to make sure that they are insured. We had one contractor that um, provided us with forged insurance papers and documentation, and it got into a huge legal thing. And we went to court, he went to prison because he did this a number of times. So there's there are plenty of mistakes that I made, even though you might think, well, he had this contractor as a father, you know, when I was doing it with other contractors, there were still issues. So for me, it's always, due diligence, walk through their, their properties to see what work that they've done, talk to people that they've worked with, have contracts, get insurance documentation, call the insurance companies to make sure they truly are insured by them. And, um, and if I had to do it again, again, I would probably team up with another uh, investor that had the experience and I just split the deal 50-50. I don't even care if I made any money. It's like, hey, I'm just learning from you. Give me I'm just here for you to provide that knowledge. And I want to absorb that and see how you do all these different things um, because you'd be way farther ahead than if you were to try to start uh, by yourself. That's kind of always my my feeling starting out. I agree with that 100%, man. I think that's why even this far in the game, guys like you and I have been doing it for over 10 years are still joining masterminds and groups and Absolutely. stuff like that because yeah. always, especially now in a changing market, man, it, it blows me away when people are like, I watched the YouTube video. I got it. It was like, well, these other guys that have had it for 15 years that still lose six figures on a deal. Like they yeah. didn't watch that YouTube video. That was the key. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's so it. true, man. It's so true. Yeah. So talking about that now, the, the other two thing I thought was interesting when you were talking about your intro there is we talked about the, the background and the mindset of that, but when you went into what you did, 
you basically tackled two different pieces where you said, you know, you have open letter marketing, which yeah. obviously is going to direct to seller and finding deals. And then you have a uh, Envelo CRM, which I, I'm very interested in talking about for my own stuff selfishly anyway. But I feel like that checks the boxes for people that are starting out. They're going to, how do I find deals? And I feel yeah. like you now have a way to check that box. And now we could acquire deals through things like open letter marketing. And then as you start to get money and build a business, now the next logical step is like the Excel sheet and the Google doc doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now I need a CRM, you know, so right. there's something for beginners and then there's something for people that are scaling up. So taking it to that first step with open letter marketing, talk a little bit about what made you put that together and some of the ways that you're using direct mail or just even in today's market, some of the best ways you're finding for lead generation and finding good yeah. deals. Yeah. Um, so when I, again, um, when I started out, we were writing our own letters, my wife and I, and we'd have a goal of like 500 a week and, you know, going through and testing and tracking. And I saw what other vendors were doing. They were doing, you know, more yellow letters. That was kind of like the gold standard. Um, and then we started to get more deals and I'm trying to figure out different ways to outsource this. So to reduce my time, but spend a little bit more money and outsource it. And I really didn't find any other vendor or product out there that offered anything other than really yellow letters. And, you know, when, when you look at marketing from a holistic view, you're like, all right, well, the object, the objective of marketing is to stand out, to get people to contact you. But if everybody's sending the same product as, you know, the next person, what's going to get me to stand out? So I started to experiment with different, you know, uh, messaging, uh, coloring on the envelopes, custom envelopes, handwriting, um, and just imagery on the actual letter itself and what I said. And even the cadence, as well as like the messaging for each touch that I sent them. And what I found is that, you know, going through this and always iterating and then comparing against, because my competitors were also my friends. So we you know, <laughs> had a lot of conversation. We collaborate a lot. We share deals with each other. So, um, so we would also always talk about, hey, how are we getting deals? What's your, you know, your response rate? All that stuff. And they were all like, always like, how are you getting so many friggin' deals through your direct mail? Like, how is that like generating so much? And I tell them like, you know, how I'm adapting and all this. <clears throat> and um, and then it just got to a point that I was like, all right, I'm going to do a huge test and compare what my product or my campaign looks like versus like what's on the market with yellow letters. And I found that my, the response rate, 26.7% increased response rate from my products over yellow letters. So I was like, all right, well, that easily tells me that, you know, my products work are much more superior than anything else. So I said, well, I want to get, give this to other people to get them to get more deals. So I started to kind of slowly, um, you know, open the, the product line out. And I think when I opened the doors, it was like the week before I was leaving my full-time job. So I started to push it out and get some people in the door that were doing, um, you know, direct mail. And it started just kind of uh, uh, snowballing from there where more people were recommending me to other people. And then it kind of scaled up. But, um, you know, direct mail is, it's not, I look at it as we're not just order takers. Um, there's a lot that goes into marketing. I don't even care if it's direct mail. And it doesn't start at the marketing. It starts at where are you getting your data, right? So people, it's always important for us to teach people like, okay, you want to make sure your data is really quality. You want to make sure you're scrubbing it even before you get to any marketing be before that to be successful. Um, because a lot of people, if they don't get success through whatever type of marketing, they blame that type of marketing and then they just stop. That's the worst thing that they can do. So it really truly starts from, you know, the data piece of it before they get to marketing. Um, 
So I love that. What were you seeing? Because it's really interesting. When I was at BPCon, uh, the, and I'm sure you see the same thing with everybody you talk to, but you know, you go into one room and the guy's like, all I'm doing is SMS and that's the only thing that works and it's the only thing you should be doing. Don't do anything else. Direct mail's dead. And then like the next session was a guy going, text messaging's going the way of the dinosaur. It's all regulated. Direct mail's still king. And then the other one's like, you don't want to do any of that PPC. And you realize that every single one of them has made millions of dollars. It all works. So yeah. direct mail, I feel like, is one of the ones that's been more timeless that can kind of always come back to. How did you see that really affecting? Because there was a lot of misrepresentation or, or like, you know, during COVID, it was like, yeah. well, people are home, but they're also scared to open their mail and people got away from it a little bit. But I've seen it kind of coming back roaring now. Are you, I, I've always liked the the thought of it because you go with the opposite of the trends now and people are leaning more mm -hmm. towards technology. How are you feeling about like, is this changing market changing what you're seeing in direct mail at all? Right. Um, so just to start off with, I am a proponent of any marketing that somebody's just going to be consistent with. I don't really care if they use direct mail or not. The, the, the number one way to get to success is just be consistent. So I always tell people, hey, direct mail might not be for you. That's fine. And we, we turn people away too if they don't have the, because direct mail is expensive, right? It's not the cheapest form. And if people don't have the money to be consistent and to do what we think is in a reasonable amount of mail to get deals, we'll let them know. I don't know if direct mail is for you this right now. But the number one thing is just, so pick a marketing aspect that you will be consistent with for at least four to six months and you don't quit and your success rate is going to be much higher than anything else. So it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what people do for, for direct mail, just be consistent with it. But with that said, direct mail um, for me, what I loved about it is that you're sending a um, message to someone's home, right? Text messaging cold calling, emails, stuff like that. It could reach them. It could be the right phone number or not. And then that's also a little bit more kind of private. Um, so people tend to get a little bit more frustrated waiting to talk to them. So for me, it was a way to easily send kind of a message and not have to talk to anybody until they called me back. Um, I didn't like that interaction where like I was cold calling people that was never I probably wouldn't be consistent with that because it would always be like, oh, I have to do this again. <laughs> but direct mail was great because I send the message out and then they would call me. And it was an easy way to filter out the people that didn't want to talk to me and reduce my time. At the, again, at the time, I was working a full-time job and doing this you know, at nights and weekends. So I needed to find a seamless way that would reduce my time and only talk to those quality candidates or people that were interested in selling. Um, and also... You know, when you do any form of marketing, you start to build rapport and trust with somebody as soon as you the, that marketing gets to them, not when you talk to them. So direct mail is all, um, also a way for me to, again, give them a perception of, you know, really high quality. We have different colors. We're unique. We stand out. We have many people that call in that just say, hey, I'm not really interested, but I really like the letter that you sent me. You know, so so that right there, again, it's the it's the perception that people have on myself and my company. And I want them to always have a good perception, even before they talk to me. So we have a much higher quality conversation. And even if they don't want to sell to me, there might be an opportunity that they might say their neighbor has something else. Right. A property that they might need to sell. So that that form was was um, always great. And. Direct mail, you you get it to the homeowner. Everybody, most everybody looks at their mail. 
and especially with our mail pieces, it's a very high open rate. And now with our handwriting machines that truly handwrite those robots, I mean, those have an amazing open rate and response rate that people really see them as handwritten. So, um, so yeah, that's that's typically why I always why I started with direct mail and why I always go with direct mail. That's fantastic, man. I find that fascinating too. So we'll talk a little bit more about it at the end as well. But for people that want to work with you and your company, is that part of what you plug them in for is those systems and processes and all the stuff that you've already tested? Do you write that copy for them and tell them like what colors to use and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So everything, everything that we offer, we've tied and we've tried and tested. So we don't, we don't offer yellow letters at all. So you'll notice that on our website, we've had many people ask, can we put that on our website? We won't because we don't, we don't believe in it. So we only put things on our website that we've tried, tested, and found successful. And even our campaigns, right? We're the only um, company that offers true marketing campaigns where you can send different pieces in different cadences, different conversations, mail pieces. So we have proven campaigns. So all of that stuff, we've kind of uh, built it from around from what we see that works, not what people are asking for um, if we haven't tested it out. That's awesome stuff, man. So pivoting now, let's say somebody's got deals coming in and now they're going, all right, well, I got a bunch of stuff coming in. I want to do things like pulling more lists, pulling different lists, and just all the stuff that we go to that we start to upscale to coordinate things, keep things convenient. And like I've heard you say, which we've all found is first off, it's all over the place. And then second off, when we talk about CRMs, I like, I've listened to you on a bunch of other podcasts and a bunch of other interviews and been watching your stuff. And when people ask me, I'm always like, ah, Podio, but- like, I, that's what I use, but I, would I recommend it? Probably not. You know, I mean, it yeah. took me a year to even understand how to use it. And I feel like I'm not an idiot. You know what I mean? And then when you get it, but <laughs> I feel like a lot of it was designed by people that really should be programmers, not real estate investors. And it, it took away from me paying attention to the stuff I should have been paying attention to, like making money, because I was so caught up in like working the CRM and it was so overcomplicated. Yeah. And I feel like you have now come in and been like this this white night of like, Hey, there's something out there for us by us. So talk a little bit about what made you start to create the CRM that you have. And then we'll go into actually like what it does and how you can use it and some of the benefits and features. Yeah. Um, early on, I mean, I was using Excel for a long time to manage all of the records that I wanted to market to. And then, you know, I'm really good with Excel. So I had all these formulas and it get to be really a complex Excel um, file. And then people are like, dude, can you help me manage my stuff? Um, and I'm like, well, I can show you what I'm doing, but the, you know, it's, it's challenging. It takes time to learn all that stuff because people call you back. Hey, don't, don't, uh, don't send me a marketing piece anymore. So you have to remove them off your list, but make sure that they don't go out of your database. So if you get new data, they don't come back into your system and you start marketing. So that's just like one little piece, or maybe you send out a mail piece and it gets returned to sender. Now you have to skip trace and find a new mailing address for that person. If it happens more than three times, you want to make sure that you put them on maybe a calling, uh, you know, campaign. So there's a lot of management, even with just marketing, not even managing leads and deals and stuff like that. And there, there's been no system, right? Podio is really good for lead management when somebody calls in and you're tracking them through the leads, but it's not good for prospects, the people that you're starting to market to and to be able to filter out, to track, to do all this stuff. So I started to look at, all right, there's a huge void right there with prospects. There's no prospect management in any platform. You know, Podio's, Podio and Batch um, or um, PropStream, stuff like that, they're like list builder stuff, but they don't really give you 
deep analysis into your prospects that you can really filter, track, and and um, so that's where we started with. And we started with um, a product called an um, Investor Hub, and it was really focused on prospects. So you could manage those prospects, track your you know sold properties, people that said don't market to me, um, in a way that is just automated, so people don't even have to think about it. Um, so if it was sold, they can't get on a marketing campaign. The system would know, don't put these people on marketing campaigns because they don't want your marketing or they sold the property or you have to like find a new mailing address, right? So we started off there and then we started to, to balloon out to like, okay, we feel like we have a really good system for prospect management and lead management and, and uh, sorry, list management. So now let's look at leads and deals because the beauty of having one full system where you can pull lists manage your prospects, manage your leads and manage your deals. When you have that whole pipeline in there, the analytics and the understanding that you have um, is just so much more powerful than having multiple systems to do that one thing. For instance, you can answer questions um, that other systems you can't where it's like, okay, what list did most of my deals come from? Okay, most people that are using multiple systems, they have to manually track that stuff in each system to like tie it back. Or like, what's my conversion rate? How many leads does it take me to convert to a deal? Um, how, many, how much time does it take me to convert from a prospect to a lead to a deal? How many times do I have to hit them with marketing? Um, so there's a lot of like KPIs and analytics that are just are able to be embedded in our system because we have all of that data in the journey um, that other systems can't. So we're always iterating and providing more KPIs and dashboards and analytics to give people that feedback loop because ultimately we're trying to get to a place. Uh, the goal for the, the platform is get to a place where people learn more about their business the more that they um, push uh, prospects along to deals. So we give them that feedback loop to understand where are they succeeding and what processes do they need to work on um, so they can have focus on their business in those key areas. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. That's outstanding, man. There's, there's so much in there that Again, I think if you're not actually doing the business, you don't even realize that there's a need for those things. You know, like the outside person just goes, oh, look, there's the things in here. It's a great software, but I like some of the stuff that you're doing. And, and each one of those touch points that you're talking about from list building to marketing, to market analysis, to education, to community, I feel like is a topic in itself, a podcast in itself, <laughs> like a need in itself. But yeah. I mean, just, you know, the simplicity, man, especially we were talking right before we got on even just like a basic thing of like having to fix my Wi-Fi, I'm going to have to download everything, put it back up, restart. I lost a half a day in my business and that gets really stressful. So I right. think us as investors having to go to all these different places to pull all these different stuff. And then you throw in like, 
oh man, this site is down. This so like it, it's just everything. The more complicated it is, the hour it takes, it yes. piles up our day as investors. So I love the the efficiency, but also like the sanity. I think there's something to be said for that of not having those things break down because you don't have to go to all these different places to get it is huge. So let's break those down a little bit. Let's starting with list building. Um, talk a little bit about first and foremost, like what is list building and what are some of the the best lists you're seeing right now for people to pull to get good deals? Yeah. Um, so list building is the ability to find people or motivated sellers. So there are different ways to pull that. You can pull it from our database has, we have all the property records throughout the whole country, and we have all the different property details uh, within a property. So you can say, hey, show me all the properties in this area that own a house but don't live there, that maybe have, um, you know, even the property is vacant. They've owned the house for 30 years, and, um, uh, you know, the, the house was built in the 1980s or earlier, right? So that tells you that the property is old. They long-term ownership, the house is vacant. So maybe they, they're just paying probably taxes on it and maybe don't want the property. So there's different ways to pull lists. And we do have like preset filters of kind of our top best lists. Um, so it's really easy for a new person to go in, click on the button, make sure all the filters look good, enter in their geography and hit, hit import, right? But that all, uh, we also open up the ability to create your own filters. So, um, my recommendation always is I look at lists two different ways. You have general lists and niche lists. General lists are going to be those lists that you can pull from Invelo, uh, absentee, equity, um, related party, which I can get into. That's a really good one that not many people know about um, that is really high quality for deals. Um, and then we have niche lists where tax liens, code violations, fire damaged homes, right? where it's more specialty and you have to do a little bit more work to go out and find those properties. Driving for dollars is another big one. But my big thing is I always tell people, whatever list that you pull, I always recommend that you always pull at least five to eight to 10 different lists, whatever they are, because the next step after you pull those lists is to really filter and sift through them to understand which are your highest, the most valuable ones. So if you have a prospect that's on tax lien list, driving for dollars list, um, vacant list, right? If they're on those three lists, they're going to be a way better quality than somebody that just owns equity in their house, right? So that's the piece that a lot of investors forget about is that don't just pull a list and market to it. Like you still have to do something after that because you could have a huge list and spend all your money on low quality candidates with a very low conversion rate. The way to maximize your marketing spend is once you pull those lists, now an analyze and take a look at how many lists are they on? What lists are they and what lists are they on? And then filter out and just market, focus on those high quality prospects first and um, you know secondarily the, uh, the other ones. Um, so that's always kind of high, how I start my marketing is building those lists through that methodical way. I love that. And is that something you can do on your CRM is to take the oh, take those leads and then sit through to stack them? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, that's a, that's a huge that. piece of it is really, and we want, and, and that's the piece like, you know, through open letter marketing and Velo, we're doing stuff that, you know, not many investors do. Um, we have people that spend tens of thousands of dollars with us through open letter marketing. And they don't do this level of like, you know, data review, 
And we always, and then when we talk to them and tell them about this and they switch it up, they're like, holy, holy shit. Like, this is amazing. Like we're getting more deals. We're seeing a much higher ROI. So if people that are doing, you know, are successful, that are doing that much marketing, there's a lot of people that aren't doing that. So we always want to provide that education. And even though it's a little bit more challenging because people are like, well, what do I need this for? It's like, we, we want to we push that out, even though it's a little bit challenging for us to provide that education. We do that because we know it works. We know this is systematic and it's successful. That's awesome stuff, man. So you, you go to find a list, you pull the list. Now you have some motivated sellers, you niche them down. You could use open letter marketing. You could do direct mail. There's other ways using Envelo that it look like you could also do marketing campaigns and nurture campaigns directly yes. through the CRM. That, yeah. That's pretty cool. Talk a little bit about that because that people forget about that. And I've heard you talk about this a lot, which I think is, again, probably the biggest thing that people forget is those first three or four months, it feels like nothing's happening and then mm -hmm. they quit. Whereas I tell people it's like yeah. plant a seed and they go, yes. well, I don't have a tree tomorrow. It's like, no, no, like that's the important type is building those foundations. So what are some things you can do right and wrong? Because the fortune is the follow-up is like one of the, those famous lines and people forget, they go, I called the person. They said, no. And I stopped calling them. It's like, well, you're, you're missing the whole point here. So right. talk a little bit about like marketing, nurturing and how you guys help with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, in Velo, you can do direct mail. You can do ringless voicemail. You can do email. You can um, you tie into outside third-party services for like cold calling and stuff like that. So you can do all of that and you can create sequences and full-on campaigns, six months, a year, whatever you want. The most important thing about with uh, marketing is again, like I said, consistency. And traditionally what we see is if you're consistent, um, I'll, I'll throw out some numbers too, because I've found that this works really well. So um, I'll, I'll help kind of the, the newbies identify. Um, generally we want to um, look at a, a area of about 150 to 200,000 in population. From there, we wanna start pulling lists. And when you pull those lists that I mentioned, you're going to roughly come to about 10 to 13,000 records. From there, when you start to filter and identify your highest quality records, you should be right around like 2,000, 2,500 records. Okay. From there, that's what you're going to start marketing. You want to start marketing those 20, 2,000 to 2,500 records. If you do that over three months, four, uh, sorry, six months, you should start to see a lot of um, you know, call volume and likely we see the most amount of success between the third and fourth touch. Okay, that's when we see most people starting to get deals. Some people get deals right after the first one, but that's to me a little bit like more lucky. Um, but the, the ball that is you know, going up the hill as you're marketing starts to come down the other side around the third to fourth touch. So that means you know, you're, you're marketing to them at least once a month, whatever it is, if it's direct mail, ringless voicemail, um, but you're being very consistent with it. So I always tell people do a six, six month campaign, six different touches, but around the third to fourth touch, you're generally starting to see um, the deals come in when you're doing those high quality prospects. Now <clears throat> with the marketing campaign, you can start easy with one, just, just one marketing approach. Um, but I've also seen like layered marketing approach work really, really well. To give you an example, direct mail with a follow-up in the next few days with a ringless voicemail. Okay, so in that ringless voicemail is talking about, hey, I just sent you a letter in the mail about your property. If you can give me a call back when you get a chance, here's my number. The authenticity of that ringless voicemail the, the and the combination of the direct mail and ringless voicemail 
really skyrockets your response rate um, and helps to, with that deal flow. Um, so we found that to be really successful as well. That's awesome. It reminds me a little bit of boxing. You know, it's like it's the old one-two. Yeah, exactly. You can't cross counter. You know, like it's, you can't <laughs> yeah. just like pop, 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 pop. You gotta, you gotta set it up. So that, that's really right. good stuff, man. You you touched on something when you were saying there. Hey, I can go back and I could talk about it. You, I think you said it was a related list. Oh yeah, related party. Yeah. Uh, thanks for reminding me. So related party list. Um, so this is one. I don't even know how I came to like. I get really excited when I find a list that I don't think anybody else is marketing to like that. That's my geeky way of like getting really excited. <laughs> so, so like I would just spend, I remember when I started out, I would just spend hours on the back end of our MLS. We had like a public records database and I just play all around with the filters, try different lists, test them out, track them, see what they did. I mean, I would spend hundreds of hours on that. Um, so related party list is the objective is to find um, a property that was not sold through um, to like uh, uh, um, arm's length transaction. So it's selling to somebody else in their, their family. So what we do is we look at um, in a specific area, um, we want to look at properties that were sold well under anything that would sell at a reasonable price. So in my area around Boston, um, where we are, if anything, nothing's selling for like less than $200,000, that would be crazy. So I look at properties that sold from a dollar to $50,000 in the last five years. You don't want to go back any farther because there could have been properties that sold in 1980 for 50,000 that was reasonable. So we want to look at like the last five to eight years, even 10 years. Um, and what that's going to do, the list is going to be really small. But what that's going to show you is all the properties that transferred ownership. And usually that happens for either estate planning purposes or they sell an asset to like a family member or a kid or something like that. Um, those are really great properties because sometimes they're unwanted. Now you can go a step further and say, show me absentee properties that sold at that low, uh, that low sale price. And those are properties that are really likely unwanted where maybe they were just gifted the house and now they're managing it. Somebody else is living there. They don't really want to deal with it. And they're you know living outside of the state. Um, we've had a lot of deals come through and we've had other um, investors that say that list is like solid and you can pull that right through in Velo as well. That's cool, man. I, that, that's exciting. I actually never heard that one before. I'm going to yeah. add that to the arsenal. That's good stuff right there. That, that's our takeaway. We're going to clip that one out. <laughs> so you have the, the pillars of list building. Then you guys have all, a bunch of other stuff that you can do on there for marketing. I also like the point that I've heard you push a lot of education, and I think that's really important. You have something in there where not only you're, I guess it's the old, uh, you know, you're teaching them the fish, but you're also giving them fish. So they have the resources, they have the tools there, but sometimes it's like, well, what do you do with it? And I think that that's a very timely thing now. I've heard Brandon Turner say it a lot, but he's like, man, if it was only just about having the information, everybody would have a six pack and be a millionaire. The information's <laughs> out there. And like, that might've been true in the eighties. You yeah. know what I mean? When it was like the book, you had to go, but now like there's so much out there. And I think it becomes, there's so much information of like, how do you put it together and find out what's relevant, what's not. And I like that you've organized it. And it's not like too much. Like some of the communities I'm in, they have the education and you log on to like their drive or their vault. And it's like, like, where, what do I even, you know, it's, 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 but you have like a nice, 
organized thing with like rock stars in there. Cody Hoffheim, Ron LeGrand, Trevor Mock, uh, Joe McCall. Like there's people in there giving a little bit about their specialties and stuff. And I think that's a really huge thing for your master classes on there. So what what sparked that idea? Because I think that that's a really yeah. cool thing that I have not seen with other software stuff. Yeah. Um, again, um, you know, I think I think my excitement comes from seeing people become successful, you know, using the education or knowledge that we help provide and us truly being a partner. So I knew I wanted education in here because you can give somebody, like you said, you can give somebody the tool, but you're going to have five different people use it five different ways. So if you provide the education and that's, you know, when I did some um, coaching, um, that's what I found too. You kind of have to guide somebody. You can't just give them the tools. You have to guide them through as they go. So I wanted to make sure that we provided the education and not education on like, here's how to use Envelo. It's like, here's how to, here's what you need to be successful in real estate. And then here's how Envelo can help you get there. So we wanted that aspect of education, but then we also wanted to bring in um, other um, investors or experts, industry experts that can help because um, there are different avenues that people want to get into. They're not always going to want to be, you know, flippers or wholesalers. They might want to do virtual they might want to do, um, you know, terms, other things like that. So I knew I wasn't an expert in everything. And I felt like it was a really good opportunity for other um, experts to come in and to help people or introduce different methods. And the goal was not to go high level. It was like, okay, I want you to talk about a specific topic that you can go really deep with. I want somebody to walk away and to have executable information that they can start picking something up and running with it, not just like a, a brush over. So we do things like, um, you know, we talk about obviously real estate, but we also talk about mindset. We're also bringing in experts in health, nutrition, and, you know, psychology to, um, because I want it to be a really well-rounded um, uh, knowledge base of, of masterclasses because um, entrepreneurship is just not, it's not all business. As you mentioned in the beginning, mindset is one of the most important things that a lot of people overlook and really the ability to manage your personal and professional life. That's huge. There are so many struggles with that. And as an entrepreneur, it sometimes feels very isolated because other people don't know what you're going through. So I wanted to provide this kind of, um, you know, holistic view uh, to help people understand that everybody, other people go through this and here are some of the ways that they've gotten through those challenges. Um, so that's my overall like goal for the, the mastermind, the, the education space in the academy is to really help people in different aspects of their, their, their lives, not just the professional. I think it's incredible, man. I love it. I was kind of geeking out on it, looking through all the different things. As I said, each, each one of just those individual functions is a whole topic function thing in itself. And uh, I can't say enough about new investors always think, well, I just need a tutorial. They don't understand the the power of like that mindset. It's I, I use the example of a New Year's resolution. It's like, how come every year it's the same New Year's resolution for 30 or 40 years? Like, what is it that's keeping it from there? It's it's up here. It's all that stuff right. of creating those habits. So I like that you have that in there. So you have other people that can kind of share in the journey and give them the roadmap. I, I think it's awesome what you're doing, man. I heard you, I think initially talking about it on bigger pockets a while back. And, you know, I've just seen you popping up everywhere. I think what you're creating is awesome, man. I'm very excited about it. And I'm very excited for you. I appreciate you coming on today, man. Talk a little bit about if people want to learn more about using your open letter marketing, using Envelo app, talking to you about it, like all the ways they can connect with you and the products that you have. Yeah. Um, so if they want to check out Open Letter Marketing, they can go to openlettermarketing.com. We have a little chat feature down at the bottom. 
Um, I should say like all of our customer success people that everyone talks to, like they learn from me, they know the business inside and out. They really truly understand it in the invest, uh, investing aspect of it. So they're really knowledgeable and skilled at what they do. They're not just order takers. Um, so that's first and foremost. So check that out. Envelo, they can check that out at enveloapp.com. Um, Envelo app, and they can get started with a free account. So we actually have a free plan that people can jump into and try out, test, look at the functionality. Um, and we have customer success that is, again, I really focus on providing really good customer success and support. It's one of the, the biggest things that I always focus on. So we have amazing customer support there. And if they want to they want to uh, reach me, they're welcome to shoot me an email at justin at openlettermarketing.com or justin at enveloapp.com. Awesome, man. Are you guys on socials, all that kind of stuff? Instagram, Facebook? Yep. All of that. Instagram, Facebook. Um, I think we're just starting with TikTok on an nice. too. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. You know, for anybody listening, when you go on the show notes, I'll have all the live links for all that stuff, for the ways to connect with you, connect with the companies. Definitely go on and check all those things out. One last question before I turn you loose, because you're, I, I love talking to people that are, are data guys that have central places where they can analyze data, not only from themselves, but from the customers and a lot of people that are using it. Based on those analytics that you have, that's basically current information as of wherever we are now, summer 2023, what are you seeing as far as like some stats or some trends or some like marketing stuff as far as what's happening across the board? Is there any trends that you're noticing that maybe we should be paying a little bit more attention to that could be a little bit of a competitive edge? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of people, especially last year, they scaled off on marketing. A lot of people got nervous and stop their marketing. And then we saw the you know more active investors or more experienced investors continue to move on. And we saw that their, their deals, right, even right now, their, their deals have uh, ramped up, but we're also seeing because of all the expenses and everything inflating, you know, they're getting kind of a little bit more uh, squished on their, their spreads. So what they're doing to adapt is again, they're really focusing on high quality prospects. I've seen most all of the experienced investors go from a list of maybe like 60,000 down to maybe, you know, 30,000 or a percentage of what they were doing before. And again, they're coming from the perspective of like, okay, we need to reduce our expenses. We need to hone in and make sure that we're increasing our ROI so that we can um, continue on. So, so that's the biggest thing is, again, going back to the data and making sure you understand your prospects. Um, you'll always be much more successful if you hone in on that from, from starting. So that's where I really see that people are trending. Um, I see more people are coming back into the market doing marketing. So they're feeling um, a little bit more sense of like um, comfort of where the market is headed or is heading right now. So I've definitely seen the market come back as far as real estate investors. So there might be a little bit more uptick in competition, but I still don't see as many newer investors. They're more a little bit more experienced. They slimmed down in their marketing. Now they're ramping back their marketing. So I think there is still opportunity for people to get into definitely more into investing um, and just making sure they're doing it from a systematic approach. I love that, man. I couldn't echo that more. I think it's excellent stuff. You, sir, bring your A-game to everything you do and have done. This has been no different. You definitely brought your A-game to this podcast. And you, again, are a stud for being so polite and so uh, accommodating with the times. And, man, I really appreciate it. Any final thoughts before we let you go about your day? 
I don't think so, man. Um, I would say, you know, just if, the, if there's a lot of newbies listening to this, like just get started, uh, just push yourself to to get over that hump and get out of, outside of that mindset of like what happens if, or like, you know, if, if I do fail, uh, don't be afraid, just get started. That's the number one most important thing people can do. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, man. This has been great. Now you're awesome, dude. I really enjoyed this conversation. I've been looking to get you on for a long time. I really, I'm glad we finally got it in. Everybody check out the, the the program, check out the show notes, check out the apps, check out all the links. We'll definitely connect again. Hopefully I'll see you in September at Matt Andrews Family Mastermind. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, man. Food on me. I appreciate it. Justice very ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic day. Okay.